Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the New Books Network. Um, hello, welcome to the Mobilities and Methods series hosted by the New Books Network in association with the Mobilities and Methods Lab at the University of Illinois at Chicago. The Mobilities and Methods Lab and New Books Network provide a platform for authors, readers, and their interlocutors to engage closely with questions of mobility and movement. My name is Lakshata Malik. And today, I'm joined by Dr. Bram Prakash, Assistant Professor, Theatre and Performance Studies at the Schools of School of Arts and Aesthetics at Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. We are in conversation about his book, uh, Cultural Labour, Conceptualizing the Folk Performance in India, published by Oxford University Press in 2019. Welcome, Dr. Prakash, and we're very excited to have you here and talk about this very dynamic book that you've written. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump right in because there's, like I said, and we were talking before, the book has so much to offer. And hopefully we can we can get to some of it and leave some for the audience to judge for themselves when they go and read the book. Um, the, so the first question itself is, yeah, just the concept of cultural labor. How did that come about? How did you get to this concept? What was the journey like to get you to this book? Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so it has been a quite interesting journey, I should say, because this is not something I started in my PhD. It has been, I was engaging with the subject from my MA days when I started doing my master's degree in same school, in a school of arts and aesthetics. And then some of the questions that was like really occupying me is that what could be the reasons that like these performances or folk performances are getting marginalized in the larger discourses, you don't find there a space. You don't find that is getting certain kinds of theoretical frameworks. So it always becomes a, or certain kinds of aesthetic conception. So whenever you discuss about this performance, it always becomes a certain kinds of ethnocentric, anthropological kinds of field in which you can go do certain kinds of fieldwork, but you don't discuss it as a part of aesthetics kinds of question. Same way, when you go to discuss about labor studies kinds of department, they will say that, but they are not doing labor. 
they are not doing some kinds of very hard labor. They are doing some kinds of cultural kinds of things. So what I felt that these performances neither fitting in the labor studies discourse, nor fitting into these kinds of like you know, cultural studies discourse, and becoming certain kinds of very liminal kinds of area in which one can think about these kinds of performance. And so, yeah, the question, basic question was like, no, that what could be the reasons that these these performances, folk performances in India are getting marginalized and remain marginalized in the larger discourses. And then after a point of time, the question shifted to about their strength. When I went to the fieldwork, I started like, no, again, because I also have seen this performance from my childhood. I've been part of the community watching this, I grew up watching these performances. And then I felt that let us discuss about the strengths of these performances. What are their strengths? Then the question shifted from like no marginalization to this idea of the, their strengths. And then like, you no, know, when I was thinking about their strengths, then either you are thinking in terms of their, their relationship with land, or the labor or their relationship with the certain kinds of contradiction you will find that you don't have aesthetic categories or indian aesthetic categories that we were using in our department in our like no discipline was quite like no, incapable of addressing these kinds of person and that was quite a kind of like a no, paradox that you have largely like no agri like no agri agricultural country agrarian society but you don't have aesthetics concept around land and that was a kind of like no same way, whenever you are thinking about culture, you are always thinking in terms of leisure time. That only community or class who have leisure time can produce culture. It means you are trying to completely get away with this whole idea of like, no, so Sudra cannot produce culture, the lower caste cannot produce culture, they cannot engage. Whoever, so what you are exactly doing in this kinds of aesthetic exercise, that largely we are leaving the whole area and what we are trying to discuss is largely the kinds of monoculture of the middle class or monoculture laid by the Brahminical kinds of like, you no know, ideological class in that sense. Yeah, so this has been the kinds of like, you no, know, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And there's so much we will pick apart from there. You know, the fact that, you know, culture is only seen as a leisure, uh, a site of leisure and not a site of labor. And, and sort of coming, I think that's something that I find very valuable about your work as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's that it's sort of not drawing that binary between pleasure and work and le- like that, that sort of binary, those distinctions don't exist. And and we'll get to some of the implications of that in a little bit. Uh, before we get into it, though, let's talk a little bit about uh, the concept of the folk in your book. What does that mean? Because in the Indian con- in the Indian sort of uh, context through colonialism, it has come to develop a very distinct thing. Uh, it, it's not the same thing as it is everywhere else. In India, it means something slightly different. And you touch upon the changing meanings in the historiography chapter that you uh, go through. So let's 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 lay that out for for the audience, uh, for the listeners, and and what that means. Yeah, in fact, like no deployment of this term folk has been really really difficult for me, and therefore I always put it under the coat, under it is a coat mark. Because, like, no, for last again, when I was finishing my book, then I was not sure that whether I'm going to use this term because the term has a lot of baggage, it carries a lot of complexity. But again, I was not able to decide what term to use. For example, at a point of time, I was thinking that I should use Desi kinds of like, no, Lok Sanskriti, Desi kinds of term. But again, I, like, no, my whole idea was not to 
localize these kinds of debate because this is not about I'm talking about North India. It is about I'm talking about the production of services or production of certain kinds of cultural production across South Asia. And therefore, I also don't want it to get into these kinds of very localized kinds of economy of these kinds of production. And therefore, I avoided this term Desi and Maki. Then again, I was thinking about Lok Sanskriti, but again, I felt that maybe like you no know, subaltern performances. But what I felt that despite of all these terms like Noam and also so still I've remained quite critical of this idea of the folk but what I felt that despite of all the problematics all the complexities the term still carries the certain kinds of energy certain kinds of evocation that only folk can like you no know, come with and therefore like you no know, this ultimately that coming up with this term of the folk. So I'm not saying that yeah, I have ultimate like kinds of definition about what I meant by folk. But again, it is the area, very complex area, in which I was thinking about folk performances of the subaltern communities. Because even if you are discussing about folk performances, then you have several narratives around like, you know, either epic Ramayana and Mahavarta. One can also discuss about the folk performances of the upper caste. One can discuss about the folk performances of different kinds of other communities, ethnic communities. So I'm precisely discussing about the folk performances of the subaltern communities in a caste society in India. And that has been the kinds of my focus. But yes, if I get a better term, then I'm ready to use some other term also. I don't mind going for another term that sub can substitute this idea of the folk. But I would like to just add that, like, you no, know, yeah, you're right, that how this, like, you no, know, this idea of the folk, the authenticity, also becoming a certain kinds of, like, you no, know, mobilizing kinds of term for when you are thinking about cultural nationalism and other kinds of, like, you no, know, that whole, like, discourse that is happening in South Asia, largely, and India in particular. And then I'm like, you no, know, and while I remain quite critical of this whole idea of the authenticity of culture, I am also quite critical of the hybridity. I'm also quite critical of this concept of the hybridity and diversity also. Like, for example, many times what happens that diversity gets celebrated in the name of like, no, so when we talk about like, we have diversity, then we talk about like, no, gender, we talk about caste, we talk about religion. But what we are trying to undermine that how in the name of diversity, we are trying to hide this question of hierarchy. And therefore, I think many times the diversity completely tries to hide this idea of like, no, this notion of hierarchy, this notion of differences, and this notion of like inequality in that sense. And therefore, yes, I remain quite critical of this authenticity of the culture, but I will also remain quite critical of this whole hybridity and diversity that gets celebrated as a part of certain notion of the secular India or secular kinds of things of the nation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think I completely agree. And and you, you sort of jumped ahead, but that would have been our question with cultural appropriation. And we'll get to that too, because this is so yeah. important. I think one of the things that I want the listeners to know is that in India, the distinction between uh, popular culture and folk culture is sometimes drawn to the effect of making into a binary, which is something that this book dispels quite well. There isn't a distinction between the popular and the folk in the way that we think it is the popular existing at the level of the metropole or the TV and media and then the folk existing as just like this localized improvised thing that is happening, you know, it's there's no script, it's only oral tradition, the sort of fetishization of, uh, you know, the ephemeral in the folk is sort of contested, but also seen as a space of uh, potential, like you say in the book, right? And so that's something that we will get into a little bit. And also, you know, you delineate that whole, I think it's so important to look at the history of how the colonizers sediment something that was already there, right? In terms of the caste dynamic of 
something being understood as high culture so sanskritized text as as dramatic text sort of ramayana mahabharat is what you mentioned so these these are seen as like canon texts and everything else is like oh it's a version of the main thing but that's not you know that's that's something that's been cemented through colonization and and you know the intervention of the british as 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 everything um let's let's go back circle back to the question of what you were saying about diversity because that gets into uh and and we'll jump a little bit but uh, i i do want to get into the question of uh cultural appropriation which is such a it's such a it's such a dynamic topic right now across different contexts right here in the us in in but india somehow sort of is is caste is a very you don't know how to you know if there is some academic discussions around that you know that that there some of that that is happening around like sadir and bharatnatyam and how bharatnatyam has been sanitized through the project of nationalism and there are some discussions around that but you take that into an even more nuanced thing new nuanced direction because you are uh, focusing on bihar and telangana and and if there's something that you want to let's get into how you know you you look at the the nuances of cultural appropriation in that context let's let's yeah. hear a little bit about that yeah yeah so thank you so much for asking this question because i also felt that what is happening many times that some of the regions where you have like a lot of a scholarship has comes for example if you are thinking about bengal and if you are thinking about kolkata as the center or like in mumbai as the center where you had a significant middle class who took certain kinds of like new interest in the culture and like in this cultural field and then they become very active kinds of participants or you can say the active agents of like new cultural appropriation because they wanted to as a part of the nation building they wanted to inherit some idea of the culture they wanted to participate in this kinds of cultural production or become part of the cultural kinds of class in that sense but the same kinds of and therefore i see that key post colonialism as a framework may not equally work across the region it has different kinds of encounters it has different kinds of you know like no resonances for that matter and therefore when you come to certain kinds of peripheries so for example peripheral areas of bihar telangana or many other states where you don't have that kinds of encounters that has happened with like no british colonialism then you will find that maybe the appropriation has happened in a quite different way were like no even feudal class were thinking about the feudal class then they were not interested in this kinds of cultural renaissance they were neither interested in the kinds of like no appropriating that cultural field neither like no making that is its own part of its own and therefore what has happened that culture still remains as a part of in the hand of most marginalized communities if you're thinking about cultural performances if you're thinking about the performing arts in telangana if you're thinking about performing arts in like no bihar and many other odisha many other regions madhya pradesh chatisgarh and then many regions what you find that still those kinds of cultural performances performing arts remain with the kinds of the lower caste and that because the middle class could not get formed in a significant ways and you don't have that kinds of a strong presence of the middle class in that sense and therefore you will also find the similar thing is happening in north india that you never had the kinds of a strong hindi drama culture because drama as a genre drama as a literature largely belong to the middle class and since you never had this kinds of a strong middle class in that region and therefore you could see that key how that genre could not become a kind of very advanced genre in that sense that you can find in maybe in the case of kolkata in the case of like no tamil nadu and the case of like no some other regions which has gone through different kinds of 
colonization for that matter. And that is the case I'm making that what has happened to this field, like for thinking about cultural appropriation and then culture as a site or like you know, performing arts as a site remains as a part of something that has to be neglected. You don't find many artists from that site. You don't find the kinds of academic discourse that is coming from that site because then you don't have like a middle class who could have taken these kinds of responsibility to argue for this idea of the culture and that since that class was missing and therefore you will find that key, it has taken a very different kinds of route if you're thinking about Bihar, Telangana and many other states for that matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is an important nuance to bring to this 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 discussion because performing and especially publicly performing has always been a more subaltern uh, uh it's it's always come from there right and and that's you know the you can look at the history of of bharatnatyam and that spells us out so clearly it's like sadir started with the devadasis the courtesans and then gets appropriated over the course of the nationalist movement turned into something that is sanitized you know the it's not erotic in the same way and it's it's something more presentable and and you're right in bihar which is uh, one of the poorest states and, and, you know, has a lot of, and we'll get to questions of migration, which you take up as well, and has a history of like working class, especially laboring castes, what you say, right? You call them laboring castes and laboring classes, and they are the ones who have been performing, but the uh, the feudal lords have no interest in taking that up as a, uh, as, as a thing uh, to, to lord or anything like that not to say it's a good or a bad thing but that's just the case in this let's 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 talk a little bit about because each chapter is so interesting in your book you take up a different kind of folk performance a different kind of folk some of them are rituals some of them are not and and it's a it's it's a very vast sort of array of folk performances and i find it particularly interesting um, as to uh, in the chapter on landscape, uh, which is uh, chapter two, I think, where you talk about um, this one ethnographic vignette where, you know, you're, you're witnessing what is called Buyan, uh, you know, it's a jagran that leads up to the Buyan Puja and you can get into more about what Buyan Puja is and, and tell the listeners of what that is. But in this case, the shaman is trying to contact uh, the Holy Spirits and, and, you know, is is failing, quote unquote, not able to connect. And that causes a fair bit of like tension <laughs> with the with the audience. Right? Like what is happening? We must, you know, you, you need to. And and that is something so interesting because you don't necessarily see that. I think in this failure, what is highlighted is whatever the concept of the cultural labor that you present is like, no, this is not always going to happen the way there is no script to this. There's actually people who use their bodies, their embodiment and their labor to create something, right? So I, I want to focus on that example and like maybe you can tell us a little bit more about cultural labor as a concept through that and what that means in the context of the landscape and the materiality of the land and labor. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so... That's quite like, no, so let me just discuss about given like, no, a structure of the book. I think that is like, no, quite important to make this whole idea that how book is a structure in that sense, because I'm taking first, like, as I have told you that I was interested in this 
full idea of the what are the kinds of categories that becomes the a strengths for these kinds of performances and then i'm taking like you know one concept that can be considered as a part of a strength so either you are thinking in terms of land or landscape that becomes a very very associated term to think about these performances where the performers can be located performance can be located same way when i move to the materiality then i am discussing again about like you no know, certain genres of performances where the things are getting more merged it is getting more like mixed it is becoming a defilement and therefore like you no know, what i will say that like you know, instead of thinking about hybridity instead of thinking about certain idea of the authenticity i would love to talk about defilement that how like you know, defilement becomes a basic categories and since your whole aesthetics genre or aesthetic regiment has been thinking around this idea of certain kinds of purification it was arranged around certain idea of the categories very like you no know, nice category of that kinds of like you no know, very like you no know, very very specific categories and i think what is happening in these performances are that many categories are getting merged completely merged because it is not about like you no know, choice that you can make there it is about more about the kinds of arrangement kinds of a strategy and what is going to work for your performances like if you are thinking about these performers then the whole idea is that whatever is going to work in the performances we are going to bring that things like you no know, in our performances and that is the way they work yeah so first chapter discussed about like you know, bringing this category of the land i am bringing this category of the landscape to discuss about that whole alienated or maybe neglected area of the category of the land in indian aesthetics and then i am bringing this like you no know, puja ritual worship that is called bhuya puja bhuya exactly means like you, know, you can translate it is earth you can translate it is land so worship of land or worship of earth in that sense and many times that puja is called like you no know, worship of dharti ma ki puja so like you no know, also like you no know, worship of like mother earth in that sense so what is happening that how like you no know, i'm taking a one concept that is landscape and then i am discussing it through this whole field of bhuya puja that is bringing this category in a more evocative way that is bringing this category in a more i will say in a obvious way same way when i am discussing about materiality in relation to videsia or videsia can be translated as a theater of migrant laborers then i am trying to bring that ki what exactly is happening with videsia like videsia then becomes a kind of genre that is in painting that is in song that comes in various various genre that is a play written by vikhai thakur the person who came with this idea of like no theater and then you also have the whole history colonial history about this like no this landscape where like no people are migrating or like going for this whole indentured labor in caribbean countries and then the society is feeling at the sense of loss and they are creating whole new kinds of song genre that is termed as a videsia so then i'm talking about like in that way. same way like all the chapters are arranged around one concept and one performances and performances here necessarily like bringing that kinds of categories in a more evocative way and that has been the idea about like you no know, arranging these kinds of like you no know, again certain kinds of ethnographic fieldwork and conceptualization together yeah coming back to your question about like you no know, how this like no this whole story about bhuya puja and how this kind stuff like no it is certain kinds of can talk about improvisation you can also talk about certain kinds of labor that you are actually pointing it out that what goes when you are participating in ritual that you are constantly trying to perform you are trying to like no appease the deities but you are not getting possessed by the deity 
and what happens in Bhuya Puja that it is a very so many kinds of worship but again I am quite resistive of like you know, reading this idea of like you no know, this is the ritual this is the theater this is the kinds of performances I don't want to fall into these categories I want to read them through certain kinds of registers the way in media studies now we use the term registers so whether like you no know, so what is happening that like you no know, we as a part of modern society many times not able to feel through that kinds of corporeality we are not able to generate through like in our own kinds of feeling through that kinds of senses and because we are losing those kinds of senses so i am trying to read them through the certain kinds of registers and in that sense when like a person is saying that like you no know, like whole drummers are trying to invoke the deity and then deity is like the person that like main summon figure or the medium is not getting that sense and like a whole disconnection that is happening then they also do the certain so you can say one can say that it was a failure of the kinds of ritual in a very like no interesting way but whether is it a failure can be read it is a failure but again the whole labor effort efforts that is becoming part of this kind of constitution and that becomes interesting and therefore i would like to make this whole connection thread that how i'm trying to discuss about this idea of like no cultural labor in that sense so for me cultural labor becomes this whole sense and enactment of intense so this like you can see like what the way i'm imagining this performance or was watching this performance so what the performance is doing that very passionately the person is trying to get connected with the deity but person is time and again failing time and again and then what you feel that there is a whole intense passionate ritualized performance is happening so it is not just you are doing the labor you are doing it in more passionate way you are putting lot of emotion you are putting lot of imagination and all these things so it is labor plus something that i am talking about and therefore when like when i am talking about cultural labor then for me cultural labor becomes a kind of passionate production of labor in a, a specific cultural context in which like you are putting trying to make this connection of labor and that has been the idea of thinking about cultural labor so cultural labor becomes a kind of creative economy placed in a hegemonic local context and that is the way i have tried to bring this category and like also the idea has been to also to bring this whole culture and labor two different kinds of disparate categories together yeah and 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 it's very evident in your book because it takes so much you 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 know you go through the method you go through historiography you go through existing literature trying to very much get these two distinct and disparate spaces together like no they do go together and it is very central to it that they do um one of the i found it really interesting and you just mentioned towards the end about uh you know dominant regimes and and one thing that i that i remember from your text very vividly was you saying that cultural labor the the condition for cultural labor to happen is a situation of powerlessness i'm paraphrasing at this point it cannot happen outside of you have to be it has to happen from a from below so to speak and it has to happen in a situation a constrained situation it has to happen and that's what one of the main things that i found that so powerful especially in the context of the chapter on performance and performativity where you're talking about this very controversial subject matter of intercaste love uh, between uh, that it's called reshma and shohermal and and it's between these two people who it's a it's a non dominant caste man and 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 a and a princess right woman and reshma and and it's and and it's there are different versions of this play that that you know you go through and one of the interesting things about your book is you do, you just don't analyze the performance like as it is happening boxed but also look at what is happening like 
off stage and backstage and you know what what are the discussions that are happening and there's this one instance in which the marriage uh there the people who are like yeah we we're going to perform this play and then there's resistance uh maybe we shouldn't perform this play because like the dominant caste community might get wind of this and may lead to actual violence right there's literal actual violence at stake in performance of some of these uh performances and and so you make the distinction between performance and performativity and i want you to talk a little bit about that and then also some of the performance strategies that uh uh non dominant caste laboring caste use to to you know to be able to express themselves but also evade some kind of violence it's very real yeah 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 so of course like you no know, this is also kinds of like you no know, so this has been a kinds of one ways of reading these performances through this whole representational categories so what generally you are going to do and it has been a part of like a very like a kinds of content analysis representational analysis that what exactly they are representing and who are these people and i would like to give my own example so i remember that like you no know, as a part of culture group we went to perform in rajasthan and we were singing like you no know, laborer song like you no know, because like you no know, it was a kinds of theater studies conference so we were singing about labor songs we were singing about labor exploitation and everything but again that organizer also given opportunity to the real laborers who were working there in a, like you no know, make it like you know, they were working in a kinds of construction company there and they came and they sang on the they performed on the songs of honey singh yo yo honey singh and so like so this is the contradiction i'm talking about so like if you're going to see through the representation you can see that these laborers are very reactionary they are very regressive they are singing on that kinds of very like misogynistic kinds of songs and we are very progressive because we are singing on the songs but but again so i'm saying that how like for example not necessarily that representation is going to give you the real picture something other layers are opening there and i'm largely taking from james scott who is talking about public script and like you no know, hidden transcripts so how for example what happens that like many times you are trying to enact something in public but again you are trying to hide something behind it and one example will i think suffice this thing so for example i was discuss- i'm discussing about reshma and chuharman that is a very very famous love epic from north india and you have like no document a lot of documentation has happened around these performances given by george gerson who was working and as a kind of administrator in that region he was a famous like a folklorist so for example so what you are seeing that in the same time frame what is happening that like no community same community dusad communities are worshiping a deity who is grotesque who is having a very grotesque image image full of blood but when they come to for like no perform the same kinds of like no for the same deity when they are coming to perform for intra community kinds of theater then they are doing a more like a beautified imitating a beautified image of chormal now the question comes that why the same communities in the same moment like historical time are performing two different kinds of image like one very grotesque image and another very beautified image to that extent they call chormal is a ramavtari that he is like no another kinds of avatar of rama mm. so and this becomes very clear that this becomes a species becomes very contradiction a species creates contradiction you we should also know that how like some genres are going to work create a certain kinds of efficacy in one space and may not work in other space so maybe in the household worship that grotesque image is still working but when they are coming from outside of the community then that is not working that grotesque image is not able to provide you the resistance 
in household or like a familial image the grotesque image is able to do something but outside for the outside community so for example like if they are performing grotesque image of like muchwarmal and then the prakash will come and laugh that oh my god this is the deity they have like no deity who does not have like no even the face so this is the faceless deity you are celebrating and therefore they are now trying to create a new beautified image of the, of the deity and therefore what i will say that ki how so when i'm saying about that performance i'm largely talking about certain kinds of representation category certain kinds of like you no know, performance that you are trying to show and you are trying to enact but when i'm trying to discuss about performativity i'm trying to bring the contradiction i'm trying to bring the kinds of like you no know, display and certain kinds of concealment that communities or the performers are doing on behalf of the community or some agents are doing and the part of like no certain kinds of like no social kinds of framing i don't know about you but i'm very busy and i don't have a lot of time to cook that's why i subscribe to factor eating better is easy with factor's delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just 2 minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto these are 2 minute meals Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com/nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com. Slash NBN fifty to get fifty percent off. No, and and that again, it's so important to make that distinction because for the longest time, performance study and and you have mentioned this in the book has been structured by gender trouble, uh, Butler's text, gender trouble, and performance is only just that. It's like everything is, but but power structures somehow get left out of it. And you're absolutely right when you look at performativity, which is like the situation, the context in which certain performances. become um publicly performed i guess uh certain performances become public like that's what i'm trying to say that is important why certain things change why this deity who is grotesque in one location becomes more aestheticized and beautified in another location is something very very important to look at and i think that's something that you bring it's a, it's this nuanced understanding of power relations uh, uh, in performance studies that is largely not that usually goes amiss you know you usually you get performances like oh these structures aren't real gender isn't real which is true all of these are made up structures but people have very real repercussions uh in their lives through these concept concepts right caste means something gender means something even though it's made up and and that is important um and thank you so much for providing that explanation i i do want to also talk i mean there's so much in this book again i i'm so leaving so much out and and it's it's up to the audiences to go and look up all of the stuff and i do want to get back to the bidesia play uh, uh the theater that you talk about because that a uh, you talk about materiality on various levels right you you mentioned this materiality of of it's it's coming out of a point in time when a lot of uh labor laboring castes mostly are moving to indentured labor in the caribbean and there is like a hollowness people have gone and there's like loss and and this play is coming out of of that particular this theater is coming out of that very real emotion felt in communities it's very charged it's very 
you know, and we'll come to the question of viscerality a little bit later. It's very, very charged with uh, emotion. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned is materiality, materiality in terms of mixing uh, genres and defiling genres. So it's it's this particular person, uh, Bhikari Thakur, who comes up with this particular theater, which then changes over the period of time. It's not one thing, right? But when it comes up, he's taking uh, elements from tam Tamasha and not Anki, and it's not one thing. So there's also music, there's also dance. There's no... Um, purified way of performing it's it's very overtly uh, defiling it's very overtly meant to offend these categories these distinctions and it does something so interesting with that uh, could you please talk about some of that with with respect to how labor becomes a part how cultural labor becomes a part of this uh, materiality yeah yeah so in fact like you know, i will say that if you're thinking about very direct and concrete connection in that sense, then I think Videsia provides a very, very concrete connection. We are like you know, laboring classes. And I think that is a very peculiar kinds of phenomena of like, you know, I will say Bihar, UP and some other regions where like you no know, laboring class are having their own theater production, like running their own theater troupe. They are telling their own stories. And now we can say that they are running their own cinema industry. Mm to that extent, and that I would like to extend, they're running their own YouTube channels in cinema industry. It, despite of all the kinds of like, you no, know, these kinds of like, you no know, contradictions about like, you no know, things about that. It is about vulgarity, it is about like, you no know, objectification of women, all these things. So I'm taking all these things aside and we can discuss that also. But what I'm saying that this whole like, you no, know, that how Vikai Thakur, who himself was a migrant laborer for almost 30 years, is coming back to the region, coming back to Bihar and thinking about creating a genre where he can like, you know, bring his own, like, tell his own story. And that has been very much part of that kinds of, I will say, culture. That has been very much part of that kinds of, like, you no, know, that, that landscape. If you are thinking about landscape, and then what is happening here? That like, yes, one way of like, you no. Know, so he's trying to bring, and you are rightly pointing out that. Okay, therefore, like, you no, know, I generally don't go into this whole discourse of like, you no, know, hybridity because it is like you cannot find that it merged so much that he's like you know, trying to bring everything. And if you are thinking about pre-Vikari Thakur kinds of scenario in that region or Bhojpuri region in that sense, then you have largely caste-based kinds of songs. You have like no caste-based songs. So like Dhovia Geet, Chamarwa, like no Chamar caste will have their own caste songs. Dhovia, like Dhovivasram and caste have their like their own kinds of like no dance. He's trying to merge everything together. Coming from the lower caste, barber caste, he like trying to merge everything, bring everything together because like without maintaining that kinds of sanctity, that whole sanctity of this is good or this is bad. The whole idea was that what is going to appeal the audience, what is going to attract the audience. So, for example, he was also like bringing the songs of women. And to that extent, one can say that, like, you no, know, how what is happening to the agency? Like, we had like a lot of debate in the, if you're thinking in that term, that whether you have female impersonator who are representing women on the stage, so whether they are able to bring the agency of women or not. What I have seen is some of the scenario that I discuss also that what you feel that when the female impersonator are singing on the stage, you will find that women are giving chorus, the real social women are giving chorus to them. Mm. And that like creating a very interacting, interactive kinds of agency that one can talk about. Because when we think about agency, we think that agency is like very individualized. It is part of somebody's body. We are not thinking agency in kinds of more interactive mode. And what we are seeing in this kinds of channelization of performance, that agency is working in a quite interesting way, where like you know, performers have taken the songs of the 
real social women in that sense and now that social women are also giving a certain kinds of response to these kinds of song and performances and then also i would like to read is a materialization what is happening is a certain kinds of materialization it does not remain two different kinds of categories when i'm also talking about i'm also giving example of like pre bhakti kinds of scenario where krishna himself is becoming videsi krishna himself is becoming migrant laborers so you can imagine the scenario where like a god krishna who is like you know, sung as a part of like a lot of praises uh, in the bhakti kinds of songs with this kinds of indentured migration with this kinds of like a whole huge crisis is like you know, himself turned into a kinds of like a migrant laborers he is migrating to kolkata he is working with there and therefore one can also talk about that what happened to this whole idealization of bhakti here bhakti is also getting materialized it does not mean that like you know, efficacy of bhakti is completely erased you are still have the kind certain kinds of efficacy of bhakti that is still very much working but again it is coming the categories are coming together it's a materialization of certain kinds of devotion that is making this whole things more interesting and making these categories like now i will say more same way i will also i also discuss about obscenity what is obscenity we talk about and for example if you are thinking about obscenity then obscenity is the language of the body it is the language of the materiality and many times when we discuss about videsia they will say that it is a social drama and things like many things but generally as scholars many times are not discussing about the certain kinds of obscene elements or certain kinds of like erotic elements use the term erotic elements more i will say like no erotic elements that has been very much part of these kinds of performances where they don't make a distinction between erotic and religion erotic and certain kinds of profanity and religion and that i have also discussed in visceralty chapter but that is the larger context i am trying to make that how materialization is happening materiality is like taking place in language materiality is taking place when like no i am just giving example of like no i am giving example of chair that when joker comes then what joker is exactly doing he is trying to materialize that whole language with this the whole kinds of gestures the certain kinds of language that he use like no he will use in that play and therefore i will say that how materiality in relation to bidistia is happening at various various levels in many many levels in that sense yes thank you yeah i think yeah that it, it's correct it's happening on many many levels and and that's very it's yeah again such a rich text and and i would strongly recommend people because i think we can only provide a glimpse you have to read it to to get the full context and um yeah i, I do want to move i think this is a good point to talk about viscerality obscenity uh, uh erotics of performances which you take up towards the end and this is because of the choreo politics uh, uh 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 chapter you talk about uh, uh viscerality and there's a very important quote on page 180 where you said uh, what distinguished folk performances from other performances besides several other characteristics is their extreme viscerality it provides dynamism virality and passion to a performance unlike the structured virtuosity of classical drama and performance and i find this so interesting because you mentioned this right now and and in terms of i think the best way to look at folk uh, it is a contested air quotes category but i think the category of viscerality at large i think is a good way or at least a comprehensive way of looking at what folk does in terms of um, desanitizing what are views of you know distinctions between ritual and erotics and distinctions between uh, you know where the body needs to be doing what it is doing and 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 i think that is something 
I'd like you to talk about in terms of, uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, you, it's really interesting because the, uh, the genre of performance you're discussing is Dogla Mukabla in which two people, it's like a dialogic sort of thing between that also ropes in the audience in many ways because they're also part judges because they're also like boosting the morale and also like, oh, they have judgments very much it's at stake. So and the, the question of improvisation becomes really important as well. So if, so please, please do get into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I also felt that like you know, how many times like you're thinking about like you know, certain kinds of virtuosity, then that has a, a special attention in performance studies when you are trying to analyze certain kinds of appearances, like larger economy of the appearances for that matter. But when you are thinking about like you no know, more, I will say that kinds of visceral category, then like you no, know, it is not like you no, know, you're not trying to maintain completely getting rid of these all these categories, the binaries that one can think about. Like you know, before like you know, Durga Puja and all these kinds of festival, there will be a news. Many times this like media will take this news that they are performing these obscene kinds of performances during the Durga Puja. They are singing obscene kinds of songs during the chat. But this is your problem. This is not the problem of that people that they are performing. They are not making that distinction. Because if you are going to see like you no know, many times like you know, all these kinds of festival parties see this festival, then like you no, know, these performances are very much part of those festivals. And what is happening in this festival that they are trying to merge. So they will sing one song in like dedicating it to Durga or some Devi, Devi worship part of like no certain deity, mother deity kinds of worship. And after that, they can just move to very obscene or very erotic kinds of performances. And then if you're wanting to maintain very sacred, profane kinds of categories, then you will see that what is happening. This is something like no completely like no, going against the ethos of the performance or going against the ethos about like no certain kinds of religious sanctity for that matter. But again, I think this is a problem that is like no carried by like no, either certain kinds of moral discourses or by the middle class. They don't care about these kinds of things. And this comes like no, together. So this like and they supplement each other. So when I'm saying that okay, how they supplement each other, they also supplement to these kinds of religious kinds of performances. And same way, like religious kinds of efficacy is also performing, like you know, creating certain kinds of efficacy for erotic kinds of performances. And therefore, it becomes like a very merger in which we can talk about these things. And Dugola becomes a very, very interesting site of the study because in Dugola, you can see that the movement, the merger in a quite a strong way. So they are like, there are songs where like they are singing about Nirguna songs. They're singing about like certain kinds of Kabir songs, songs about many times death. They're merging death with food. They're merging death with like no place. So you have like no very pure element, very impure element. You have plus blood and like no certain kinds of sacred objects are going together without making that kinds of distinction. And I think that becomes like no quite a kinds of category that I think will not find analysis in existing kinds of like no very Indian aesthetic discourse where you have like whole tendencies to see these things in a category that this is pure, this is impure, this is obscene. This is like you no know, accepted. This is not accepted. But I think this kinds of framing does not work in these kinds of performances, and that also lead to certain kinds of corrupting kinds. Like you no, know, these performances are corrupt. Like you know, this whole category of the corrupt that like many times they are labeled as a corrupt, they are labeled as a vulgar, not just because it is their objective height doing the objective height kinds of performances, but because they are also not like you no know, working through these kinds of very like you no know, existing categories. They are breaking this category at a corrupting level. 
so that like becomes like too much you are merging too much and if you are thinking that you are merging too much in any caste society then that is going against the very idea of the caste because caste is all about maintaining the purity of the blood purity of the certain kinds of like you no know, gotra and all these kinds of categories and since these like you no know, kinds of performances provide these kinds of a space i think that becomes quite difficult to handle in these kinds of like you no know, existing kinds of discourses right uh, yeah thank you thank you for that explanation dr prakash um but in terms of obscenity and i think it's an interesting thing because gender is you know it, it's hiding in plain sight over here and and i think you do mention that that's not the primary space of an because there's already so much happening in the text and not to say that gender is not an important category it's just beyond the scope of a text of what you're trying to do here and i, I understand that but like i find that vignette of that uh, that one anecdote about so there's a very popular bollywood song called munni badnam hue which has been appropriated in many ways from an existing song which means londa badnam hua which is uh, so munni would be like female gets infamous i think that's your translation and then londa badnam hua is is boy gets infamous and and uh, and it's not like obscenity is entirely absent from popular discourses or or you know these are problematic spaces if you look at the recent pictures of the popular bollywood actor ranveer singh where he's posing nude and obscenity is a very real charge there but what that is not is how all the liberals were sort of uh, you know defended is it's also artistic it's creative it's not just like obscenity for obscenity sake which is what you're trying to do is like folk performance is art right it's not just also vulgarity viscerality and and obscenity for obscenity's sake it's also art it's also creative it's also all of these other things that you usually don't extend um can you talk a little bit more about you know this particular instance of of this appropriation of this existing song londa badnam hua to munni badnam hui and because there is some kind of cultural appropriation happening over here for sure yeah 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 Yeah, so in fact, like very recently, I published one article. It's called "Erotic Power of the Dancer," and where I am discussing about like you no know, gender absent that, like I will say that I could not, and I really felt that there have been so many things to discuss. I could not go to that whole like you know, gender areas, and that has been also like you know, one can write whole thesis and maybe many many theses on taking this whole gender lens in these kinds of like you no know, same landscape. where i am talking about these kinds of performances but yeah so yeah i'm also like so recently i have been writing something on this question about erotic about this obscenity and the question of gender also yeah but coming back to your question that like no yeah is quite right that when like you know you have so you have like certain kinds of commodity that is working in a quite interesting way so when you are like you know, giving example of ranbir kapoor like when he is doing something then like you no know, like you no know, becoming and or exposing the body or positioning the body in a some different way or like you no know, in off scene way or one can say erotic way then the person is able to generate certain kinds of economy maybe like you know, certain kinds of debate also one can agree or disagree on those debates and that was happening what is interesting about these like you no know, performers that i am talking about female impersonator is not about just like you no know, bringing certain kinds of obscenity or certain kinds of erotic it is about like you no know, they become the object of disgust and that is what i am trying to point out that ki how like munni badnam hui you can ask your son and daughter to dance on munni badnam hui song quite happily that ki okay let us dance on munni badnam hui but i am sure the people who are coming from middle like no up and bihar 
middle class section, upper caste section who are coming from UP and Bihar can never ask their son and daughters or children to ask on like you know, dance on Londa Badnam Hua. Because it is bringing like you know, some different kinds of layer also. Because first of all, like you know, if female, if you are trying to become like being a male, you are trying to become female, then you are also embodying certain kinds of femininity, like you know, feminine category becomes important. And then you also like you no know, address it, like you know, create certain kinds of crisis for your masculinity or that kinds of imagination. Second, that it is also kind of like though you know the history that who were the people who used to sing these kinds of songs. So that songs, the imagination of the songs remains quite encoded in the caste, in the kinds of like a community that these are the communities who used to sing on the song and how come we can like you no know, sing on the out sing and dance on the same song. So it is about like you no. Know, it is not just about obscenity or certain kinds of erotic movement that one talking about. One is talking about the certain kinds of erotic movement that can create a disgust for a section of society. And that is what I'm trying to precisely like, you know, address in this whole idea of the Munni Badnamhui and Londa Badnamha, that how Londa Badnamha becomes like, you know, too, like, you know, it is too unacceptable category. It cannot be accepted. We cannot see this. Yeah, it goes beyond sensational and into the category of, like you said, disgust. It's it's no longer titillating in the way of like, oh my God, you know, it's something nuanced and cool. No, it's not even that. It's Londa Badnam, definitely a site of disgust. Like you said, you know, associated with the particular bodies who perform that and associated with the specifically laboring, manual laboring bodies who, who do that performance and, and, you know, that feminization and the crisis of masculinity for upper caste men especially is, is something uh, very at the center of this. Um, I, yeah, I think you've answered so many of my questions and I'm very aware of the time and I don't want to keep you here too long. I do want to, as a parting thought, um, ask you what are the projects you're working on right now what can the listeners look forward to and and you know what what can we what can, what what's coming from you in the future okay thank you thank you for giving me this okay <laughs> exposure yeah so i have been working on like you no know, two projects recently one that i'm trying to work on a non-fiction so i'm also trying to like you no know, i keep writing opinion pieces about like what is happening in like a field of art, culture and politics under the certain kinds of regime or like you no know, certain kinds of formation of Hindutva or Hinduism in that sense. And therefore, like you no, know, that so this non-fiction my field that should be like my first non-fiction. And it is called Body on the Barricades. Yeah, so the book is called The Body on the Barricades and Art and Life and Art under the Authoritarian Regime. And that will be coming most probably by the October. The book was, yeah, that's, yeah, so very soon, it is coming very soon. Another project that I've been working on, and I'm quite thinking that is academic kinds of project that I'm doing is on the question of cultural justice, that I'm trying to theorize the question of cultural justice, because you know that like in South Asian context, you have a lot of debate around like you no know, economic justice, social justice, but I think the cultural justice in South Asian context has not been theorized. So yeah, I have also published one article and I have been trying to like, you no. Know, yeah, almost done like two, three chapters. But yeah, so next book should be Cultural Justice. Yeah, I'm looking forward. You can see the politics like almost at the brim in this chapter, in this book. And I am glad that we'll have a space to, because I, I didn't bring it up because I've had conversations with you in the past about the concept of cultural justice. So we will see a lot of that. And, and you've written articles, as you rightly said, and people can go and look those up as well. They're very informative and very uh, uh 
significant to especially the authoritarian times in which we are living so uh, yeah i'm looking forward to both those books and 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 hopefully we'll see you again on this channel uh, uh, with the with the new book as well at this point i'm going to thank you so much dr prakash for joining us and for all of your insights i am lakshita malik and this discussion of cultural labor published by oxford university press in 2019 has been brought to you by the new new books network in association with uh, mobilities and methods lab at the university of illinois at chicago thank you so much for listening do pick up a copy of the text and yeah have a great day everyone Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lol. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.